Hello and welcome to Gravitas Wins Conversations. My usual circle of friends are all from software companies. For us, the toughest situations are man-made. Maybe there is an escalation from the client and manager is asking for a daily update. That's why I'm excited to talk to my guest today. He has been a captain in the merchant navy where he has to navigate through nature's fury. I plan to discuss how he dealt with risks and what his opinions are about leadership on the sea. Let's get to the conversation. Hello, Apu. Welcome to the conversation. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me into this. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, most of us, we do not know about Merchant Navy. Can you please explain what Merchant Navy is? How is it different from regular Navy? Yeah, it is uh, actually part of the maritime industry. Uh, Merchant Navy actually comes into the maritime industry. And the maritime industry is something that uh, whatever happens at sea. Uh, so you can, uh, you generally uh, separate it into different sectors, like the defense sector, the commercial sector, mm-hmm. and uh, the ocean research sectors where all studies happen at sea. Okay, so we are into the commercial sector. Uh, we basically are into the world trade. So, uh, in fact, uh, this is one of the, this contributes to the world economy. I mean, uh, it, uh, it is one of the indicators on how the world economy is performing. So, mm-hmm. this, this can be used as an indicator basis, how the cargo is moving and what is the quantity of cargo is moving and in what direction it, it's moving. So, uh, Merchant Navy is in, in a small thing that... Uh, trading cargo from one place to another and in fact uh, transport of people also uh, from one place to another okay that seems interesting how does anyone get into merchant navy um it is well regulated i mean it is not uh, something that uh, where it is a, it's a different uh, industry where uh, you can just come into picture but it is very well regulated uh, the international maritime organization has put everything in place on how it can happen but this was not there. Why I'm saying it's well regulated now is it wasn't there maybe 50 years back or mm. 60 years back. Uh, things were different. But uh, at this moment, it's quite well regulated. And every country has its own regulating authority. Like for mm-hmm. India, we have the Direct General of Shipping who, uh, who have kept things in place and who have uh, got instruments in place to regulate this properly, making sure that seafarers are... Uh, properly concerns are properly addressed and we have colleges maritime industries all of them are recognized by the DG shipping of india and similarly in other countries we have got other regulating authorities so okay. uh, so we actually can get in touch with these colleges and maritime institutes to see what is the requirements how we can come into picture and how we can progress why i'm saying this is uh, for every rank it's different I can pick up mm. one rank and talk about it, but then for every rank, there will be a deviation. It's a little bit different. So that's why that it's better. If you think that you need to get into a, um, a deck, deck side, the deck department, then it is slightly different. Your medical requirements are slightly different. And uh, uh, can, can we talk about, let's say, for example, uh, when do somebody get qualified at all to become a merchant navy? Uh, to get into Merchant Navy, is it after 12th or is it after some kind of a graduation? Okay, um, I'll take myself for example. 
Yes. Uh, like I did my school, I finished my school in 95. And then uh, with the minimum requirement of marks, I, I went into one maritime institute. And for me, it was a little bit easy and simple because my father was a master mariner. So he mm. knew, uh, kind of uh, how things are moving around. So, but uh, not everyone may be fortunate like that. Uh, mm. So in my case, I went into a maritime uh, school and there I did one year in India and one year in UK. So end of uh, two years, I am supposed to doing uh, internship program on board the vessel. Mm. So uh, we call it as internship, but then uh, as in layman terms, but uh, for seafarers, we call it as cadetships. So mm. uh, we, uh, we were sailing as cadets for almost two years. And after cadetship, uh, then uh, we uh, come down, we do our exams recognized by one of the authorities. Uh, I did it from UK, where the Maritime Coast Guard Agency recognizes it. And it is uh, accepted everywhere in the world. Similarly, DD Shipping of India, it uh, regulates it in India and they accept all throughout the world. So, mm. okay. so I, after that, I become a third mate and then I'm supposed to do another exam to become a chief mate. And then the third exam is to become a master of the vessel. Okay. So, so you said you, after the internship or rather during the internship, you went into shipping and you are on the sea. And I'm assuming as a merchant Navy, uh, a mariner, you are always on the sea and away from the family. How do you keep your emotional and psychological balance when you are away from the family? Um, it is, um, it's, it's very difficult. It is, uh, for example, again, uh, going off home and staying in a um, hostel itself, there is a challenge yeah. of keeping your emotional uh, psychological balance. But here you are completely at sea. And then you got people of uh, different, uh, uh, varied age difference and mm. uh, varied experience. And you may not, it's very difficult to find a person who will synchronize with you. Uh, and especially I, I was there and I was the only cadet on board. And I was 19 years old and uh, my, my third mate was about 40 years old. And the, the second mate fortunately was around uh, 23, 24. So I was able to link up to them, but then again, I, I was a, I was a trainee and then it is difficult, but, um, fortunately the thing is, uh, they gel up quite well, all, all seafarers, they generally gel up, uh, quite well because all of them are missing their families. Uh, mm. all of them on high seas, they are there for a purpose. They, they love their family and then they do need to take care of something back at home. And somewhere they are definitely missing their families and then they take their colleagues as an extended family. Mm. And that's okay, where so, so since everybody is in a similar boat, to, so to speak, so they, they kind of extend their helping hands to each other, I suppose. They have to. If you need to survive, <laughs> they, you really have to do that. Otherwise, you are making your own life difficult because the environment is such that it's uh, physically demanding. I mean, it's mm. very demanding uh, because you, you are not on land where nothing moves. You, mm. while, when, you're, when you're sleeping, also things are moving. So you need to get used to sleep when the ship is moving. Okay, so the, there are, uh, it's a hazardous environment altogether. You, it's, it's all steel everywhere. And mm. if you're not careful about things, you're going to injure yourself, uh, especially with long working hours. And with stress and fatigue around, 
you are definitely looking at something happening to you and you know how uh, the medical healthcare is there on board it's very restricted environment you mm. can provide first aid but then you cannot address every concern mm. so so fortunately nowadays uh, we have got a show support on the doctors coming and tell us but it wasn't like that before okay from everything that you are describing it seems to be nobody should be getting into merchant navy why would anybody get into merchant navy passion i would say mm-hmm. that if you are adventurous if you have the passion i purely entered with my passion no one no one forced me i i saw mm-hmm. what my father was doing i i loved what i was doing there was some style in it there was some passion in it some adventure in it and i thought that um, I, i it is still a fact that it is very interesting life it is mm-hmm. definitely interesting life you will not ha- get the same problem again if you need if you're looking at solving problems that is one place and it keeps you thinking it it makes a lot of innovators into picture you okay so you, you 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 talked about that problems right can you tell me a challenging problem that you faced while you were at sea um, i would innumerable as i said every day creates one new problem so mm-hmm. it is uh, i can not defi- uh, specifically mention one but one interesting thing that uh, i use i kind of tell a lot of bedtime stories for my kids so one of those was like when i was a trainee um, this was in 97 and the ship was trading uh, between uh, west african coast and the european coast uh, west african coast uh, we used to get a lot of stories a lot of people i mean they are there for a purpose they want to move out of their own country and uh, uh, they are having a difficult life so they they try to get into one of the ships travel to europe and once they are in europe they somehow settle there and somehow they are taken off and then they have process to secure themselves down there so in that hope they get on board the vessel and on that ship it was my responsibility to take care of these things not happening because uh, if it happens for us it becomes like we need to take care of the person properly till he uh, disembarks the next port of call and there may be delays commercial delays and we need to spend a lot of money also to safely get him off and there, there will be a lot of delays involved in it because time is definitely money here especially with container trade and um, here in this case one one scenario where i went along with the seafarer that seafarer is, was about uh, 60 years old uh, old old gentleman very nice person and he was telling me to be careful and to how we can i can do that uh, search and all those stuff i it's a very restricted environment i went in it's a very dark nothing in hand and uh, all of a sudden i just saw two eyes staring at me in front of me just maybe a few feet away and i was the only person alone there and uh, you can imagine that i was 19 years old and it was like and i can see this guy is having a knife in his hand and he asked me why are you here i told i just came around i just came for a walk and he believed it so 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 somehow i kind of talked him through and um, I, i told him that i will help him and then i kind of brought him out but that situation at that moment when i was there i really thought that i'm in a dangerous situation i because i was alone and he he's looking at hiding himself in 
and I have mm. just found them. So, and there was no one next uh, 25, 50 meters and it's a very enclosed space. Mm. So I had to talk them through, come out and then we had to hand them over. Uh, but the end of the story was my shore, my shore leave was stopped because uh, I cannot go ashore in that port because people start realizing that this guy has found a few people like this. And if he goes out, he may not come back uh, alive. So, so finally, I, I, whenever I come to the sport, I am inside. I am kind of safe inside. So okay. this is one of the scenarios, but many more different ranks we experience. Okay. So when you are in that particular spot, you had to deal with the risk, risk to your life. You displayed a negotiation tactic. Are you trained for these kinds of skills specifically? Not at that moment. Uh, definitely not at that moment. I, I think that that moment uh, or at any moment, I would say that the in, the instinct kicks in. Somewhere uh, it comes into picture. That's the real you which comes out and uh, says, mm. okay, let's do this. Uh, no, I, I wasn't trained at that moment. But after that, as I progress in ranks, then there are a lot of trainings which come into picture. The, they, they train, the public relations skills are coming into picture. And then we have different drills and trainings carried out for various circumstances. Like, especially now, if you see uh, Gulf of Aden is one place where many things are happening. Piracy mm -hmm. piracy was not that, this high when uh, I entered shipping. Uh, but now it, it is quite, especially in Gulf of Guinea area. And uh, Gulf of Aden was one concern, but Gulf of Guinea is another uh, concern. Uh, here, for these people are trained. So mm -hmm. we can restrict, we, we are trying to restrict people to board the vessel with... Uh, uh, water and uh, other measures. Okay, we do not mm -hmm. have any ammunitions or arms on board the vessel. It's all. It's not possible to have them. We can have armed guards, but not every time it's possible. So we, we are trying to restrict them. But once they are on board, uh, we just surrender ourselves and we expect things to happen. And uh, somehow we get back home safely. Okay. Uh, have you ever been in such a uh, situation where you had to deal with uh, pirates? Uh, we, we have, as a master, I have transited Gulf of Aden. Uh, we had preparations that we, uh, drills that we go through. We prepare the vessel. We have barricades kept around the vessel. Uh, we train people. We drill them. We have, we assign tasks and we say that, okay, if this has happened, this is what we are going to do. But uh, mm. beyond this, if people manage to come on board, then what are we going to do? We mm. are just, uh, probably every vessel has a citadel space. That means one isolated space where no one knows where it is on board the vessel except for the ship staff. We just go in this place, uh, sit inside tight and just communicate to the nearest Navy that we are secured and whoever you see on, on board the vessel is not us. So it's all yours. Let us know once everything is clear. So that gives a, a green flag for the Navy to just board the vessel and then they will arrest whoever they see on the vessel or mm. uh, they, they, they fight. They fight piracy. And so the Navy is definitely doing a wonderful job on high seas protecting seafarers and other than that we we try to restrict and we are trained to protect ourselves and uh, uh, run shows as smoothly possible okay so you you talked about the drills that happen and i believe that you will also have certain kind of a rituals for the new joinees to come in and get used to that kind of a life that you are going to lead in the sea. Uh, 
can you talk about any of those rituals especially for the new joiners how do you make how do others make the life easy or get used to uh, along with the colleagues and everybody are, are there any rituals like that yeah uh, the drills that i mentioned was something different uh, that i will come back later but uh, the ritual that you are talking about it's commonly termed as equita crossing ceremony Mm-hmm. Any Sivara knows uh, what equator crossing ceremony is. Uh, probably this started during the British era, and uh, it progressed. And those times the communication was nothing, almost nil. Probably mm-hmm. uh, when my father was sailing, we used to expect letters. Or when I joined sea, also it was like letters going on board the vessel. But uh, soon after that, it became we changed over to email and things like that happened. Uh, at this moment. Uh, equator crossing ceremony is something which is happening is not happening on all the ships but i can tell you what happened to me uh, yeah in 1997 again my colleagues again they were wonderful people and they told me that uh, they are going to do this uh, and i was like wondering what's going to happen because i've heard bad things about it also there's a yeah. don't worry they did uh, whatever i heard but then they did it in a different way <laughs> they did it in a subtle way they just uh, balled one side of the hair and then the other side had half hair and half without hair and then it was painted with different colors and uh, you have some oil and things like that on you uh, and then they basically they bring they bring everyone together they introduce me they introduce mm. me to the sea and the seafarers so i have i still have some photos on that and it was a, a good thing for me i mean i, I feel good about it and after that i gelled up even better mm. i was probably like that uh, the half hair and half bald with for 2 uh, 3 days and i was receiving pilots and receiving guests who were coming on <laughs> and all of them were looking at me what's wrong with you i still i mean something it's a, it's a new style from india that's coming up uh, so it was a good fun at that moment and that it is supposed to be like that it, mm. it is supposed to be like that but uh, recently uh, with harassment things in, in place it is kind of there is a kind of a gray area there mm okay uh, for me it was good and uh, it's how it is dealt with okay so most often the colleagues that you meet on the voyage one voyage may not be the ones that you see on the next voyage that's what i'm assume, uh, assuming how do you build professional friendship in such a environment as i as i told you they become uh, an extended family it's it is it is mm-hmm. an automatic process that happens to seafarers uh that the day you step on the accommodation ladder you climb on the ship uh, you feel that you are already linked to it mm. the only way that you can survive it smoothly is making it your home okay and uh, i'm i'm sure every seafarer will agree to this uh, if you don't make it as a home you are going to find it difficult uh, i have felt it when i when i joined when I, when i became a trainee there are some very senior seafarers who were there with me some of them from most of them are from uh, calcutta and uh, they used to talk to me and then they realized that i am feeling lonely and then they were uh, telling me a lot of things and few tricks to handle mm-hmm. these are tricks from sea uh, this you will not find anywhere else one of the thing is don't think too much don't complicate things by thinking make this your home behave mm. like, think like, like this the ship is the compound the, your home 
and you've got grandfathers, uh, brothers and things like that. But then don't do the uh, mistakes that you do at home because your mistakes <laughs> are very expensive here. You may mm-hmm. lose your life uh, if you do a mistake. Mm. So if you doubt something, reach out to us, talk to us. Don't think people will not scold you. They will definitely scold you. But mm-hmm. then, okay, they will, you turn the next page and then keep moving. Mm. So, so th- that's how it happens. You have to be a family. And we all know what our family is about and how people are going through and things like that. So you, one of the things that you talked about is the mistakes can cost life, whether it is your life or other lives. And you have been a captain as well. So which I'm assuming you are in charge of the ship and all the other members within the uh, ship. Uh, and then I'm assuming that every day is, as you said, you know, different problems because you can never imagine or you can never predict what's going to happen on the sea. In that particular case, as a captain, how do you manage when many things go wrong, if one or two things are going wrong, probably uh, maybe you have certain things in control. But when many things are going wrong, have it has it happened to you? And if so, how do you handle that? Uh, fortunately, has not happened to me. Uh, I would mm-hmm. say many small, small things went wrong, but we resolved it. Uh, but there have been disasters where um, uh, vessels have sunk and... Uh, vessels have uh, been completely uh, uh, gone off picture because of similar issues. Uh, some, uh, a few examples would be like uh, one of the ships I know, one of the case studies I know was uh, uh, a ship which was at anchor and uh, her missionary went off. They were not able to pick up the anchor. The same time the weather picked up and mm. it, the winds went up more than uh, somewhere close to 100 uh, kilometers per hour. I'm spe- we generally talk in knots, but this is, I'm talking in kilometers per hour. Uh, and uh, their missionary, they were not able to rectify the missionary. They were not able to pick up the anchor and the vessel was getting dragged into the seashore. And at the same time, when they're trying to use the engines, they had a fire in the engine room. And mm. they had uh, uh, issues with the engine itself. And finally, the, the, the vessel broke and uh, many people, uh, about 9, 10 people lost their life. Um, and uh, this, this happened. Uh, this is one of the case studies where case studies we have to learn from it and improvise. We know that these things happen. From For example, from something like this, uh, how we come out of similar situations is when the wind starts picking up, we start, uh, we, we, we generally pick up the anchor and move away and stay yeah. in deep seas. So, so we don't get into situations like this or keep going into a safer place. We don't wait till uh, the wind picks up. Uh, it's not that uh, those people did something wrong, but then it's, it's a lesson that we learn, keep learning. And every situation we keep learning, picking up, and then we add up to our experience. And uh, we, we have the ISM, uh, International Ship Management uh, Codes, which are coming, which has already been in place for the last 20 years. And as per that, also we need to document all this and have it uh, train people uh, basis all these case studies. Okay. So you talked about picking up a case study and is it only you read about it and you probably discuss among some of your colleagues or are there any drills that happen based on that case study? Um, every case study is it's an investigation report. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an investigation report in itself and it has its uh, cost analysis and what are the possible corrective measures or preventive measures that they can put in place. So every case study will have it. 
and the basis which uh, 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 process is included into the system to avoid something like that happening again. Okay, and on board the ships, uh, the, we have a lot of trainings. We have a training matrix completely. So every drill and, uh, for example, uh, a vessel when going aground, what happens? We have a drill for that. A uh, vessel which is taking in water, which uh, the hull is breached, what happens? We have a complete drill for that. And we are supposed to carry out the drill for uh, between uh, every two to three months or six months. Or, it keeps happening. So yeah. people are trained completely. It's not only on this ship, every ship has it. There's, yeah. There are international requirements which states that what, are, how, what, what is the time period of drill and what and all should be included in this drill. And beyond that, uh, we have our own in-house uh, training programs and things like that. So we train people uh, as much as possible, practically possible. We cannot keep, I mean, uh, it, we cannot overdo things also, but then we train them, we give them enough information. But at that instant, uh, in an emergency, you can see that uh, the, the skills of people come out, instinct kicks in, and then you will find people doing miracles. Basically, they go out of the way and get things back to order. And seafarers, I would say that they can do a lot of miracles. I've seen many. And uh, okay. it's not that uh, normally they do, but then when it comes in, they prove themselves. You talked, uh, you talked a lot about instincts. Uh, early, for one of my earlier questions also, you talked about instincts that you displayed when you were negotiating with a guy who was hiding. And then you talked about instincts now. How do you develop those instincts? Is it because of the trainings? Uh, yes, I would say I would contribute majorly to that. And uh, I would contribute uh, to what you are as such. I mean, somewhere we say that we need to find what we are and what are we looking at. Uh, most of the time, I find that people who have entered this field with passion. Okay, I, mm -hmm. when I finished my class 12, it was a passion for me. No one forced me. They, I said that, okay. Uh, I wanted to see the world, I wanted to do this and all those stuff, seeing whether I really saw the world or something that's different. <laughs> but but I, I started enjoying uh, things there, the problems there. So instinct actually comes from there and you are preparing yourself every day for something. And when you are looking at these case studies, you put that as a small movie inside you and say, that, okay, what am I going to do uh, if yeah. something like this happened? And you you just run through things. You will not be able to address every problem, but you know that what and all you can do to prevent this from escalating. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so you talked about, you know, it's a family, it's, it's a team. There are a lot of people in the uh, sea. And any problem that happens, any emergency that happens, it is not only you as a captain who has to act, but there are quite a lot of people who will have to act in unison. How do you determine what role to give to somebody and whether they are capable of doing that or not? How do you determine that, decide that? Since everybody is kind of new in every environment. See, the, the drills and trainings that I'm talking about, uh, they, are, they are actually made uh, with reference to this. Like every rank mm -hmm. is given a specific duty. Like, for mm -hmm. example, you're going to launch a lifeboat. Uh, you will have every rank involved in it, and every rank is given a specific task to do to complete this full process. Mm -hmm. So they have to stick to the task. Mm -hmm. But we have a backup of even if they do not stick to the task, 
how the other person should do it mm okay it's not in the everyone will be familiar with the complete process but they will be as, uh, assigned one task each mm so that is where your leadership skills also will come into picture because in the emergency I, i think if it's me i would prepare myself that someone will miss a task somewhere mm not only someone maybe two people will be missing a task somewhere so i i know my people i know that these people are there and these people are capable of doing much more than what they are actually doing so I have that those backup plans in my mind Uh, okay. we have to run with a lot of backups i mean we suppose mm. run with uh, probably i'm telling you to do this but i'm already having a backup in my mind a few backups mm. in my mind uh, so that is one of the skills that we'll have to develop uh, for example if you are seeing a seafarer uh, you're sitting and talking across to him you cannot keep a glass of water uh, on the corner of the table he will ask you to mm. center you <laughs> say that please don't do that i'm i'm feeling very uncomfortable because that's a habit that we create and it's more of an uh, habit that comes into picture of having so many backups which may not be required on land but uh, it comes in okay so you you talked about rituals and uh, drills and all of this so before a voyage starts would you do this kind of a drill to understand who is capable of what or you just start the voyage uh, if a if a person joins a vessel new is first time on that ship uh, there are again there are regulations which are which are telling us what to do uh, mm-hmm. there are regulations which specifically say that if 25% of the crew is changed then you are supposed to do this before you leave uh, mm-hmm. that the, they are clearly determining what we are supposed to do okay, okay. And, uh, so all those things are there and uh, uh, how familiar they should be and other than that we have a familiarization process also where we say within 10 days you should be familiar with all these things we we guide them we have this process to guide them completely for them to get familiarized with things as soon as possible uh you've been on the sea for uh, how long i mean uh, you joined uh, when you were 19 you said uh, how long you were there and how did you come out of when you came out of the merchant navy where were you? what were you uh i joined sea uh, uh, i did my training as soon as i completed school 95 and then i went first time at sea in 97 and okay. uh, 2013 was the last ship uh, i was on uh, on command and after that i moved ashore so i i didn't really think that i'll be moving ashore uh, but uh, it was just it just happened it just fell in place and happened and uh, on command um, it was good it was, i had a good time and i was looking forward to it to further proceed but uh, at that moment um, it was like uh, uh, an opportunity came up and then uh, i thought that okay let me make the ship it is there for me so let me make the ship and progress uh, because taking command and being a master on the vessel is something that that's the final frontier there and mm. on that you don't really uh, do much I mean, being a master is a owner's representative on a vessel You, mm. you are a representative for the owner and that's the uh, highest rank there and after that uh, there's nothing much and you have to continuously keep doing that consistently uh, for me i felt that at that moment i felt that i need change i am i'm used to change i i am kind of i i become very restless if i don't change uh, the way i work or what how i am progressing to so at that moment i said otherwise i, I cannot continue there and i i have to moving for a change and that's how i moved it and again this is as inter- interesting as things happen on a ship because 
we are managing ships we manage mm. and every day it's a new day and different problems talking to people and uh, here here the challenge was the style was completely different i mean mm-hmm. on a ship i would say that uh, more of autocratic i would like a democratic environment but then at instances and in emergencies and things like that your autocratic instinct kicks in and then you do things that's how you have to go through it as per me but here the environment is more of a democratic environment and i have never worked ashore till then uh, mm. it was like uh, mm. from school i've been at sea and then uh, all of a sudden i'm moving ashore and then i became more of a student there i was just observing and then learning things i was more of a intern there uh probably a couple of years and i'm i have to get the full family used to it mm. it's me i have to get my complete my family used to it and then uh, it took a couple of years uh, and after that i continued liking it. it it went well and then i said no turning back let me progress okay you talked about being on the sea and then now on shore what is your opinion or what have you learned about leadership on the sea and how is that leadership different uh, on uh, shore um, yeah there are difference the, the differences are stark uh, i cannot handle things as i handled at sea and yeah. uh, but in both the cases uh, i would say the leadership should lead with uh, empathy empathy has to be there we need to understand people and put ourselves in our people the people's place we need to act as a mentor and uh, we need to celebrate different views Uh, mm. at sea also as i told you you can find seafarers doing miracles the mm. there are situations where the lowest rank comes up with a beautiful idea mm. and he says sir can we do this he he, he puts mm. up his hand and say that's where a democratic environment is important but then after that you choose it and then you change you put in a little bit of autocratic leadership and say okay let's do this it may may, may not be my decision we may mm. not be my uh, uh, opinion or my thought but i make it from uh, i put a decision from my side okay let's do this so uh, celebrating different views and change uh, we need to embrace change uh, if we don't embrace change again we are going to make things difficult for ourselves and uh, the the final thing is we need to definitely uh, encourage the diverse in age the diversified age and uh, presently diversified uh, gender uh, areas where we need, we have a lot of uh, women seafarers coming into picture uh, okay so life is uh, definitely difficult for all of us uh, it's not specific to one gender but then how we take those challenges so the leadership's uh, leadership skill will definitely need to address this okay so you talked about embracing change and you talked about <clears throat> there is a uh, gender diversification and other diversification that's happening in the merchant navy uh, other than that are there any other kind of changes that are happening especially like say for example now in covid what's a kind of change that's happening in merchant navy with respect to covid and how do you see that it will affect and since especially i'm i'm, I'm interested because you said merchant navy the trade that's happening is an indicator of the world economy and i'm i'm very cu- curious on that how is merchant navy handling this covid um uh, it, it is a very good question um and uh, this is something it's been a very hot topic for the last 2 years uh, from ashore uh, 
I would say not much has been done, but the CFRS are one industry. They have not uh, let down things. They have worked tirelessly. Uh, specifically, I have been seeing from close quarters on what's happening to their families and how they are dealing with. Uh, so CFRS have done a wonderful job. I would say that uh, they have acted uh, in good faith and they have treated their profession very well, which is not highlighted in many places. It's, it's not really coming up on magazines or news uh, much. There are social medias which are projecting it, uh, but not like other profession. There was, um, uh, uh, we have been trying to make CFRS uh, equal to a healthcare industry and mm. get them free passage across every country. Mm. But that is not actually happened right now. Mm. CFRS are moving on transporting cargo smoothly till date uh, without okay. any any issues but then they are having difficulties definitely to step ashore to sign off from the vessel and smoothly get on to the uh, to get to their families when you compare to the airline industry airline industry is slightly different there are a lot of comparisons made between the airline industry and shipping industry but uh, airline industry the uh, the rate of passage for the airline crew is much easier i would say mm. But for the uh, uh, seafarer, it's very difficult. Uh, they are like quarantined for what a uh, few weeks before they uh, take a flight from India to the country where they're going to board. And the country where they board, they are being quarantined again. And before uh, leaving here, they have to take a few RT-PCR tests, medical tests and everything. And after that, again, traveling there with all the PPEs and things like that, boarding the vessel. Every country has its requirement and they have to go through that rigorous process. Mm. And it's, it's 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 I don't think uh, any landlubber, uh, a person uh, living ashore, uh, can actually go through that. We are going to have a lot of complaints from us. But then the, these people, this set of people, they move without these complaints, and then they don't even make us feel that uh, they are having a trouble. Do you miss uh, being at sea? Uh, I I used to I used to travel a lot uh, till this COVID nineteen came into picture. I used to travel uh, to ships and uh, slowly it, it reduced down to traveling to other places. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I do not miss. Um, but again, uh, what I'm gaining out of it is being with the family definitely. Mm. It's def we have a lot of pros and cons. Uh, mm. I didn't tell about it, but uh, the pros are you will see things which no human will ever see uh, when mm. you are at sea. When you are on high seas, you will you will see things that the others don't have the opportunity to see. Give me an example. Uh, seaweeds, uh, ship going uh, on high seas, and then you will see the seaweeds passing across you. It's all like you got stars on the sky and stars in water also. You you see as if mm. it's a reflection of the sky. And mm. uh, early morning you are on watch from uh, four to eight, and then you see the sun rise at that moment with no one around mm. Mm. and uh, it's something that uh, it happens almost uh, we, we take it for granted as seafarers that it happens to us every time we see it but then when you start appreciating it you see that i mean how many of them are having this mm. your your mental health is put in place when you see that <laughs> yeah okay so one thing compensates for the other definitely yes there is always a pro and con okay when you, when you go there you miss your family which mm. is, I would scale it on the higher higher side. Missing family is much bigger. But mm. when you're here, your family is always there. 
but then C is uh, something different that you already did. I all I always appreciate uh, the seafarers and the people on C because I, I was there. I was there uh, ten years back, and I know what uh, happens there. So okay. it will never it will be a part, a part of me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, would you encourage your kids to take up this uh, job? I would encourage my. I am encouraging my kids to follow their passion. I will not okay. say that do this, do that. I just say that uh, do it. I, I don't think that they are too young to identify what they want to do at this moment. But mm. I, what all, what I tell them is explore everything, and when the moment comes, you choose what you are supposed to do. Wonderful. Yeah. and uh, i'm i'm sure on your all your journeys and everything there are too many kind things that people have done for you but if i were to highlight one or two kindest thing that people have done for you what would that those be um many the professionally and personally i i think every day i find a kind a kind thing being done uh, either to me or someone around so i cannot really single out something but i let me go into the professional picture Uh, since we are uh, talking about uh, merchant navy let me talk about kindness on high seas it it happens it happens quite a bit when you are troubled you will find kindness coming from uh, a different quarter people come and sit and talk to you and you feel that they they mean what they are trying to say uh, for example the, i had a very difficult situation uh, when i don't want to go into the details of situation in 1997 uh, there was a personal issue which happened but then which uh, generally what happens is some family issue which happens it comes as a mail or a telegram and then the telegram is given to the person and it's for him to read and handle it by himself he cannot basically do anything much on that but his mental mm. health and uh, psychological emotional all he needs to handle in this case i had the master of the vessel and uh, the uh, the ship manager one one person was there so both of them were there and when they called me itself i realized that there is something not because not many uh, uh, not always these two meet anyone on board the vessel i mean so when they called and they started asking about my family I, it was a general uh, a smooth process in letting me know that there is something bad happened back mm. and uh, that time i broke i kind of uh, they gave me space they kind of counseled me and then uh, later that many many years later i i felt the kindness in them and mm. that i didn't feel it at that moment mm. but when i grew up uh, when i grew up with experience and things like that uh, that is where i felt that empathy that is where i felt that uh, that empathy is required uh, for seafarers apu from what i am hearing from you when you experience this kindness from others that is when you are able to develop this empathy for others because you have experienced it uh, yes at that age i didn't know about it i don't i didn't even know that what empathy means in 19 when i was 19 year old uh, mm. but then as i progressed uh, I, i how many schools teach us what empathy means uh, mm. which is important i i feel now it is very very important that schools need to talk about these kind of things but unfortunately we don't have many schools talking about it Uh, but we we don't really know uh, what empathy means at that instant but as mm. we grow we experience and talk about it how do you how are you 
teaching empathy to your kids uh, yes i i have uh, started i would say very early <laughs> asking them to uh, i'm trying to tell them that they need to make their own decisions and put themselves in their in others shoe and uh, everyone can get angry but then there might be a point of view from the others perspective also so mm-hmm. how we can appreciate it I, i'm not sure i don't think they will get it at this age but then mm. somewhere along the line they may get it okay so in as a as a mariner you have gone through a lot of drills uh, for for training do you have any kind of those kinds of drills for teaching your kids and uh, no i do not i i don't uh, assure i don't think it really works uh, especially when they are kids i'm just trying to let them be themselves but whenever i get an opportunity when i see that there is an opportunity for me to tell them something or they have a problem and they are discussing about it then i try and use that opportunity mm uh, that way i do i'm trying to make it interesting for them i don't want to because uh, when i was a kid uh, i don't think many people came and spoke to me about uh, handling problems or things like that Uh, mm-hmm. but there are people but then i i i did not feel very good about uh, having uh, long things which i didn't understand about so so i for me i feel that whenever there is an opportunity which comes up or they come up with an uh, issue that they're trying to solve or they're discussing about something that happened for on that day uh, i try and use that opportunity to uh, tell them that you can look at it from this perspective okay okay final question uh, apu what's your definition of living a good life um i really have not thought much about it but uh, for me uh, why i say that i have not really thought much about it is uh, for me planning is one but then uh, very long uh, long term planning is something different um as far as i see i think uh, if you are honest and transparent to yourself and others and uh, people don't look at you in a complicated way Mm. that if this guy has something to say he will tell you so that itself is it means a lot uh, people do not uh, people are not scared of you but then they respect you because uh, uh, i took some time to differentiate between uh, being scared and being res- respected mm-hmm. so i had one question where uh, when it's uh, 10 years back when i started asking people do you are you scared of god or i do you actually respect god who were mm-hmm. the maybe and some of them came up saying scared and some of them saying i am thinking mm-hmm. then, then i said definitely there's a difference there so mm-hmm. so i i think that if i have uh, been thought about a respected person then i think i have uh, led a good life wonderful in your definition or in your own uh, mind what's the difference between being scared and uh, being respected being scared okay uh i've come down to that i've found that out so i'll mm-hmm. i might well explain that um being scared is not opening up to anything to that person for example uh, if you ask me that uh, whether i am scared or respected uh, whether i am being scared of my father or i respect him a lot i used mm. to think that i was scared but mm-hmm. i realized that i i respect that person Mm. on what he is i mean he's mm-hmm. he's strong and he's he may be straightforward uh, but uh, mm. 
I respect him a lot for that. And uh, I'm definitely not scared. I mean, uh, it's something that uh, which I had to come across. So what's the definition? How do you, what, you were going into explaining that if you are scared, you are not opening up. So can, can you go a little further on that? What's the difference between being scared and uh, respected, probably even with your own father? Yeah, I would say that if you are simple terms, uh, autocratic leadership, I think more towards a scared environment, a democratic leadership, more towards a respected environment, where people okay. feel that you are part of it. My, my can you make everybody? Can you make everybody part of uh, decision making? Uh, I I think so. I I believe because if you are getting opinion from everyone, uh, mm-hmm. there are people who think that just uh, taking opinion from many people doesn't mean that you are a good leader. But I think that a good leader definitely takes opinion from many, and he he tailors tailor makes his own decision or mm. picks up one and he he understands it and then progresses with. There's nothing wrong in it. It's, it's absolutely fine. It, it does not have to be yours. You take opinion in the right sense and then you put it in the right uh, frame. I think that is all about uh, a democratic environment and you know, respected place that happens. Everyone feels respected. No one is scared okay. about something and they move around comfortably. Thanks, Apu. This podcast is all about leadership and I think that's a good place to end where you say, we leaders... We should not be scared, but we should be respected. And only way we could be respected is by getting diverse opinion from everybody, but then tailor make a decision for that particular context. I think that's a good place to end, I suppose. Uh, one favorite quote that I learned yeah. when I was at sea. Okay, One person yeah. told me this uh, and it, it put everything in the uh, shell, not shell. Um, it was said by Moses Ben. Okay, he's a Jewish philosopher. A simple word. Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Mm-hmm. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So this word has been like the, 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 the day I heard this, it also it, it got gelled up with the leadership. Mm-hmm. I, I said that, okay, this is something that it is definitely I'm looking at a leader. So this quote is, I think it has to be somewhere on the topmost things when you are talking about uh, leadership. How have you practiced this as a leader? Being a mentor. Okay. Uh, a leader has to be a good mentor. Mentor doesn't mean that I'm taking classes every day, but then if I can uh, make feel good about or if I can feel make, uh, make people that they can come to me to about uh, mm. things, that itself is uh, a good uh, being a good mentor. So mentoring okay. is something that they should feel kind of gelled up to me and talking to me. Thank you. Thanks, Apu, for taking your time, uh, for talking to me on uh, leadership. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for considering me and asking me for this. And I'm looking forward for uh, many more in your journey. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Please share what you liked in our conversation on social media and tag us. Also, check out my coaching program, Gravitas Wins. Have a life of wins.